the World Cup draw is out. We know who's going to be in each other's group. I am so excited. Mexico has a tough group. USA has an interesting group against England. We'll break down all the groups and what are the most entertaining matchups. Also, Alcaraz into the finals in the Miami Open. This kid is ridiculous. He has taken the tennis world by storm. Lakers lose to the Pelicans. Their season is over. I can't believe I'm still watching Laker games. It sucks to be a Laker fan right now, but at least this season's over and we can move on to next season. Hopefully changes happen, but man, what a disappointment. Also, I got to talk about my boy Giannis putting on a show against the Nets. Middleton getting ejected. KD, Kyrie on the other side. It was not enough. The Nets, man, they're going to struggle to even make the, the playoffs now. And if they make it, the Bucks might be waiting for them. That's going to be a crazy series. We got to talk about that. Also, Kaepernick works out for the NFL in the halftime in the halftime of the Michigan spring game. Will he make it back to the NFL? It seems like a long shot, but there is a couple teams that should have some interest in Kaepernick. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. We are about seven months away from the World Cup starting in Qatar, Qatar 2022. I am so hyped. Now that the official draw is out, I'm even more hyped. It's becoming more real. We only have a couple playoff spots left, um, and they're going to be in Group B with USA, Iran, and England. And then there's another one that's in France, Denmark, and Tunisia. And then there's one more that's going to be paired up with Spain, Germany, and Japan. So for the most part, most teams know who they're going to play. They have their dates and all that good stuff. I'm so pumped up. Like It's really like we're really basically done with... You know, the qualifiers and the qualifying into the World Cup, the playoffs are almost done. The stage is set for Qatar 2022. And if it would have been any other World Cup, it would have been just a couple months away in June. But because it is in Qatar and it got pushed to November, you know, we still got to wait a little bit longer. Hopefully no more injuries happen and everyone gets to go strong into this World Cup. But I'm super pumped up. Some of the matches, let's just go through the groups. Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. That's the host country, Qatar. Ecuador has been playing good. Senegal has some good players. Netherlands is always a uh, dark horse. Interesting group. Pretty even, I would say. I, I, I don't think Qatar gets out. If anything, it's going to be a battle between Ecuador, Senegal, and Netherlands. In Group B, this is where it starts getting very, very interesting. England and the U.S., in the same group again, a rematch of 2020-10 where they drew 1-1. We all know that that terrible mistake that the England keeper had. Iran, we'll see if they're able to do anything. And the Euro playoff, I believe, is going to be Ukraine, Wales, or Scotland. All of them could be, you know, tricky. I do see the, the U.S. and England making it out of the group regardless of whoever makes it. Wales would be interesting. They got that bell factor, and he plays different for Wales. But... Interesting group, England versus U.S. the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. I think that's a matchup that we're all looking forward to. That's going to be insane. I'm definitely going to watch that. That's that's one that I, when the draw came out, that was that was blowing up Twitter. That was, you know, everyone's England, England pundits were saying, oh, that's a good start to the to the draw, getting the U.S., you know, easy pickings. And then uh, American pundits and, and just casual American fans were, you know, referencing like, the independence and all that good stuff. So it's, it's going to be great banter. It's going to be a lot of fun to see the U.S. go up against England. In Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Argentina and Mexico have a lot of history from the 2006 um, round of 16 and the 2000, um, 10, 2006 and 2010 round of 16. Argentina and Mexico have met up in the World Cup. They have met up in 
Copa Americas and other tournaments. They have a lot of history, Mexico versus Argentina. Hopefully, for Mexico, they're able to, you know, avenge some of their past defeats to Argentina and do good in this group. Saudi Arabia, interesting team. Poland, interesting team. It's a pretty uh, decent group. I think Mexico and Argentina should be the heavy favorites to make it out. And maybe Poland has something to say about that. And Group D, France, a playoff spot. Denmark and Tunisia. Uh, I forget which playoff spot this is. But I know that I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be France and Denmark that make it out of that last playoff spot. And in the in the Group E, Group E is the one that's tough, man. That's this is probably the group of death. This is a stacked group. You got Spain, Germany, Japan, and the IC playoff two, which would be Costa Rica or I think I think it's New Zealand. I think Costa Rica makes it to the World Cup. So you got Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan. You know, just that's a that's a very tough group. I, I like uh, Germany and Japan, Spain. Like these are all really good teams. I think I'm gonna have to go with my Concacaf Concacaf nation. You know, I, I support the U.S. I support Mexico. Uh, they're going through to the World Cup. I would like to see Costa Rica. You know, rep it, rep North America, and hopefully they're able to pull a 2014 where they had Uruguay, Italy, and England in their group, and they still made it through and they topped the group. So hopefully. If there's any Costa Ricans watching this, you know, I'm rooting for you guys. I know it's going to be tough with Spain, Germany, two of, you know, the last three World Cup winners um, in the group. And then you got Japan, who are always a tough team. But realistically, it'll probably be Germany and Spain that make it through. But I would like to say that Costa Rica has a dark, dark horse chance to make it through just because they finished the CONCACAF qualifier on a, on a, on a streak, man. Out of their last seven games, I think they won six and they tied one. The one tie being Mexico at the Azteca, so that's very impressive. They're coming, they're getting into form. I know it's a Concacaf team, so people are gonna ignore him, but we'll see. Hopefully, they at least make the World Cup. I think it'll be nice to have four Concacaf teams in the World Cup. Group F: Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia. This is another very strong group. Belgium, they've been dark horses for like the last two World Cups. I think this is the last chance they have to really make some noise. Canada took the Concacaf. Qualifiers by storm. They led. They led throughout. They have really young, really fast team. I think they could make some noise. Morocco. Don't know too much about Morocco, but I don't expect them to make it out of the group. And Croatia, the World Cup finalist four years ago, coming to see if they have one last hurrah with Modric. You know, pulling the strings at the ripe age of what 37, 36. We'll see how they do. That's another interesting group. Group G: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. I think Brazil is a heavy favorite in that group. And honestly, all, all the other three teams could duke it out for that for that second spot. And in the last group, Portugal, Ghana, Ghana, Uruguay, and Korea Republic. That's a very even group. I'll I I say too, Uruguay, you know, they, they've, they're known to have some good World Cup performances. Portugal with Cristiano Ronaldo's probably last World Cup. That's going to be uh, a lot of fireworks. Ghana are always a, gr- a great uh, African uh, country. That represents Africa well in the World Cups. Korea Republic, who beat Germany last year to eliminate them in the group stages. It's going to be a tough group, but there you have it. Those are your groups. That's your draw for the World Cup. Uh, man, I'm I'm so pumped, dude. I'm so pumped. I, now that the draw is over, it feels more real that the World Cup is eminent. It's right around the corner. It's at the end of the year. Super pumped up. What do you guys think? Who's going to make it to the, to the final? Um, I think... Uh, 
the way the the knockout works is you know A and B play against each other first and second, C and D. So potentially Mexico, if they beat, if they win their group, they could go up against Denmark or Tunisia or whoever that last playoff spot is. But if they don't, then they would play against the world champions in the round of 16, which would be kind of tough because Mexico hasn't made it out of the round of 16 in a, lo- in a long, long time. But we'll see. We'll see. What do you guys think? Are you guys excited? Do you guys like your country's draw? If your country's not in the World Cup, I know there's a lot of nations that got left off. Egypt, I feel bad for Egypt. Colombia, Chile, you know, Panama, El Salvador. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that I know, a lot of a lot of nations. Italy. There's a lot of nations that got left out. It's hard. The 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 World Cups that are coming up are gonna have more teams in them. So, you know, you gotta you gotta look forward towards that. But if your team is not in the World Cup, what nation are you rooting for? Are you not gonna watch the World Cup? Are you gonna be a little salty? Let me know what you guys think. But I'm super pumped up for the World Cup. I'm glad Mexico made it. I'm glad the U.S. made it. I'm going to support both teams, and we'll see how far they go. And I'm just pumped up, man. The, the, the World Cup is just pure festivities. It's a great time. It's a great month. It's the biggest sporting event in the world, and I just can't wait for it to be here. Carlos Alcaraz is in the final of the Miami Open, and this guy is just ridiculous, man. After every game that I watch him, I'm just like, wow, is this guy serious? How is he gonna bet? How is he gonna top it? And then he just has a better game and a better game, and he's just really maturing in front of our eyes. That game against TC Paz, where he was down five two in the first set and wins seven straight games, takes the first set seven five, takes the second set six three, and you're like, damn, he did that to the number what like number five player in the world. That's crazy. And then he plays against Kegmanovic and he loses the first set in a tiebreak, and you're like, okay, like you know this guy's. Kikmanovic is kind of hot right now. Like, is Carlos Alcaraz going to be able to reel this back in? And he does, wins the second set 6-3, and then that third set was just absolute magic. If you guys did not watch that game, I suggest you guys, you know, watch some highlights or figure out a way to watch the replay of this game because that was probably the game of the year. Amazing, amazing game. And then the semifinals, he plays against the defending champion at the Miami Open, Hurricanes, and... You know, a very competitive game, absolutely competitive game. It, it, it could have gone both ways. Hercats definitely had his moments where he could have, you know, if one or two balls bounce his way or he, he's able to, you know, return a couple hits, then we might be seeing a different result. But he wins two tie breaks um, to win 7-5, 7-5, or 7-6, 7-6. And now he's in the final and he plays against Casper uh, Rude in the final of the Miami Open. Just Incredible, incredible stuff how this guy has gone from playing qualifiers at, like around this time last year in Portugal to playing in the final of the Miami Open. And if he does win the Miami Open, if he beats Casper Ruud tomorrow, he will be the youngest Miami Open winner ever. Whew, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. He's he's the second oldest Miami finalist behind Nadal, I believe. But Nadal uh, didn't, win the, didn't win it when... He made it that young. He won it, I think, like a year later or something like that. Carlos Acaraz, if he wins it this year, he would be the youngest um, Miami Open finalist. And now he's he's up there. I think he's the youngest to make uh, the semifinal in both the Miami Open and the Indian Wells. And he just made the semifinal this year in a tough, grueling match against Nadal. That was his crazy stuff. 
So I'm just I'm so I'm so excited to see Alcaraz mature as a player. Like you just see him, the way he plays, the way he keeps his composure is just absolute class, man. Like he doesn't lose his composure. I like how he after every big point he just looks at his box and just gives him like that that face and he's like, "Yeah, I got this." You know, I'm super concentrated. And man, I just I love the kid, dude. The way he the way he's he does those drop shots. He like that I think that's his signature shot. Obviously, he has a a wicked forehand and he could push you off the court and make you run from side to side. And so that's like his signature shot too and and his serves are getting a little better. But I think that that drop shot, the way he disguises it and he just pushes it, that's incredible, especially at, when he has uh, when there's a long rally going and you're just, you know, exchanging backhands, exchanging forehands, and then out of nowhere you just see Alcaraz hit you with the drop shot, and it's just exquisite. This guy is ridiculous, man. I, I'm just over the moon that I get to watch this guy. And he's 18 years old, and there's a lot of people that were kind of scared about how what was going to happen to tennis once Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer retired. And obviously that's a very valid concern to have. I, I worried myself, like, these are, like, the GOATs. And it does seem like they've been carrying the mantle forever. Carlos Acres looks like he's ready to shoulder most of that weight. He's ready. Um, I'm still trying to figure out who's going to join him. Not going to lie, Kekmanovic gave me a lot to be happy about, too. That match was just incredible. Kekmanovic, 22 years old, Serbian. You know, we could keep the, the tradition going. A Spanish and Serbian going at it. Acres, 18 years old. Uh, Kekmanovic, by no means is he old, but he is four years older than Carlos Acres. But they, they could have a nice rivalry. Uh, going, uh, we see. Uh, I thought uh, Felix FAA was gonna, you know, break through this year. He started really hot. He's kind of slowed down as of late in this last month. But we see if we we'll see if he's able to pick it up. I think he's only like 21 years old. So I think there's a lot to be happy about this next generation. This next next generation, we'll see uh, what happens with this next generation. TC Paz, Verev, Medvedev, they might have choked their time away, man. Not gonna lie. They might have, they might have, uh, you know, waited too long for the, for the goats to retire, and it just looks like Carlos Alcaraz is ready, is ready to just beat them to the limelight and and take the mantle. It doesn't look like Tsitsipas or Zverev or Medvedev are really going to have a time to 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 share the mantle, to share the top of the mountaintop. It kind of feels like once the big three is done, the heir apparent, the one that's going to take it by the reins and you know be there to to lead the charge. It looks like it's going to be a Carlos Alcaraz, and, and I'm happy, man, because he's he's a real stand-up guy from what I've seen. He, he looks like he has his head right on his shoulders, and his tennis is just spectacular. And I'm not going to lie, I am completely 100% rooting for Carlos Alcaraz in the final tomorrow against Casper Ruud. Casper Ruud, who's had a great tournament himself, too, who's kind of debunked the theory of just being a clay specialist, and he's had a, a hell of a run, beating Zverev and... You know, beating other tough opponents. I just think Carlos Zacharias is the future, and the future is now. So I'm very excited to see the final. And I just want to give Carlos Zacharias props for an amazing tournament and just just giving us all these highlights, man. I, I've had a great, I've had such a fun time watching this kid play, and I'm super excited to see him go into the clay season where he should be, you know, one of the favorites. He's already the betting favorite. He's the third highest betting favorite for Roland Garros behind Djokovic and Nadal. So it tells you what the bookies think of Carlos Zacharias. He is the next big thing, and you better be ready. And catch him. Hop on the hop on the bandwagon. Hop on the wave. He, he's here, man. Carlos Zacharias is here. 
And I can't wait to see him do even more great stuff. And good luck to you against Casper uh, Ruud in the finals. But let's change up. Let's change up the mood a little bit. Carlos Alcaraz has been great. He has a great future. But a team that does not have a bright future, my Lakers. The Lakers lose to the Pelicans 111-114. to They are now basically eliminated from playoff contention. They won't even make the 10th seed and squeeze into the playing game. It is a sad, sad day for the Lakers. What has happened to the Lakers, man? From going to, from being a championship team to a team that, you know, missed the playoffs because of injuries. And now this atrocious team that can't beat the Pelicans. The Pelicans who they traded to their young players to get AD. The Pelicans who, you know, haven't don't have Zion, who are struggling to convince him to resign, who don't know what they're doing. These Pelicans are going to make the play-in before the Lakers. With LeBron scoring 30 points per game is just so sad, man. I, I, I'm i lost for words. I can't believe, I I'm, I can't lie, that I didn't see this coming, but I didn't think it would get to this point. I, I did think that the Lakers probably weren't deserving of a playoff spot. And at, at worst, at best, they were going to make the play-in and sneak in as a 7th or 8th seed. And then as the season went on, it felt like, okay, thank God for the play-in because there's no way we would have crept up to the 8th seed. But we could still manage teeter around the ninth and 10th seed, and then we're good. We still have a, you know, a little cushion between us and the 11th seed. But nope, now we don't. Now there's like five games left, and the season's over. Basically, mathematically, we got to run the table, and the schedule is super hard. There's just, there's just no way. The Lakers are incapable of getting on a win streak. They suck right now. It's terrible. That team is atrocious. And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that the Lakers missed the playoffs in this terrible fashion. They got the Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Thunder, Nuggets. They got to beat the Nuggets. They got to run the table to have any type of shot. And the Nuggets are still fighting for playoff spots. The Warriors are still trying to, you know, turn their season around because they've had an atrocious second half of the season. Uh, they've, they've been bad since the All-Star break. The Suns are the number one team in the in the NBA. Like it's just not gonna happen. It's it's time to give it up. I've been a uh, you know toxic optimistic this whole season, just thinking that maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe AD is gonna you know find his groove. LeBron is gonna keep playing. Westbrook is gonna you know show those glimpses that he showed at the end with the Wizards. I was a toxic optimistic, but now like there's no, obviously there's no way. And, you know, I'm, we must just accept that this was the wasted season. And I don't know, man. It's just tough. It's tough to, to accept defeat. It's, it's tough to uh, to give up. I mean, it's it's obviously it's done. Like, there's no way the Lakers make the playoffs. And we got to move forward. We got to see what we do with Vogel. Obviously, I've been one of the people that have advocated for him to leave. You know, we got to thank him for that championship, but... It's time to go, man. It's time to go. Like the NFL, the NBA is turning into offensive league more now more than ever. So I think uh, they got to get an offensive coach. They got to get someone that knows how to draw plays that won't just rely on LeBron and AD. That when they sit, the coach himself could draw plays, could coach these players up and just generate easy buckets. Because it doesn't look like we get any easy buckets right now. We need everything to be you know, a fast break or generated by LeBron or AD ice wing. There's just no ball movement. There's no, there's nothing. There's no like sense of, of an offense being run. 
And the defense, which is what Vogel was brought into, which is like his bread and butter, that's he's a defensive coach. The defense is atrocious. Uh, I don't know if he just lost the locker room. These players are just too old or a combination of both. But they're not trying on defense. It's sad to watch. No one's really good battling for rebounds. Nobody's switching off players. A lot of bad teams are scoring a lot of points on us. We've allowed over 100 points in like 12 straight games. Something ridiculous like that. It's, it's just an embarrassment. And I, honestly, if we got a clean house, clean house. Because like if Palinka has to go, if if Vogel has to go, like let's do it. Get rid of them. It's It's done. We have LeBron, we have AD, we have some pieces. Get somebody in here that could shuffle things up and make it work. Get an offensive coach that could help the team score buckets. This league is about scoring buckets. You're not going to be able to defend a lot of people. You got to get buckets. So if we get an offensive coach and someone that's strict, someone that's able to you know, inject some charisma and some effort into this team, I think we might have a chance next year, but... <sighs> The Lakers season's over, and, you know, I just want to give a shout-out to the Lakers fans that stuck through the end. I know, you know, it was a tough season, and there was a lot of Fairweather fans that stopped stopped watching the Lakers, stopped supporting them, um, stopped, you know, just watching the games. And it's sad because, you know, the Lakers just won a championship just two seasons ago. I think the Lakers sometimes are – Lakers fans sometimes are spoiled – with the history, with the expectations, and as soon as it goes bad, uh, I don't, I don't see the crowd, I don't see the fans galvanizing around the team. Um, it's just a lot of negativity, and you know, not a lot of fandom. Like there's too many, there's too much. Like sometimes you just got to be a fan and support the team, no matter what. Like obviously you got other stuff to do, but if you're a fan, like dude, tune in, watch him. I know it sucks. That's part of being a fan. That's why I'm a free agent NFL fan nowadays because it's tough to be so invested into every team, like so many teams at once. But if you're a Laker fan, dude, like just I would say stick it out. It sucked watching these games or, or I don't know. That's the way I feel. If you like if you gave up on the season halfway through the year, you know, that's on you. You could do that, too, I guess. But, you know, we only have LeBron for so long. We only have AD for so long. Uh, who knows what's gonna happen once LeBron retires? And you know, I lived through those. I lived through those seven years after with the, the latter part of the late Kobe, rest in peace. And you know, the years after that, I I watched all those like most of those games. I can't say all of them, but I watched most of the games. I lived through those years. This is more or less the same. But you know, if you're a Laker fan, just support the team, man. But it is what it is. The season is over. Atrocious season. Hopefully we clean house. Hopefully we're able to, you know, work some magic with the cap. We're still paying Luo Dang fucking money from whenever. Ah oh, man, it's a terrible it's a terrible situation to be in. And I know some teams would would wish for this. If you told some teams like, hey, you're gonna suck for, you know, two years before that championship or seven years before the championship. But if you gave if you gave someone a five-year window, two years sucking, or you know, one year sucking, one year you get LeBron, you're decent. One year you win, and then two years after the win, you suck again. But you won one championship in five years. Most franchises would take that in a heartbeat. And obviously, the Lakers fans are a little spoiled. We we have a lot of expectations. We have 17 championships to back us up to ex- for us to want those expectations. 
But like I said, I'm a Laker fan for life. And we go again next year. We go again next year. Giannis is a monster. He is the MVP this year again. He's going to be a three-time MVP. The Bucks defeat the Nets 120-119 in one of the best games of the year. Game of the year candidate. Incredible, 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 incredible stuff. KD and Giannis going at it. Giannis ends up with 44 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, monster stat line. Chris Middleton gets ejected on a foul on a fast break. He only ended up with 16 points. Brooke Lopez had a terrible game. Drew Holiday did decently. But it didn't matter because Giannis is the truth. Giannis is the man. You know, there's a lot of people that have been talking. A lot of people, you know... Doing his name dirty. I'm, I'm looking at you, JJ Reddick, saying that, you know, it was Embiid, it was Jokic, um, it was KD, and then in the next group over, it was Giannis. That's just asinine. That's ridiculous stuff. Giannis is the best player in the world. He's the best two-way player in the world. And he's a monster, man. He's a monster. He's improved every single year. He could have he could have won most improve the last three years to go along with his MVPs to go along with his Finals MVPs. This guy is ridiculous. The fact that he scored a step back three to send the game into overtime just goes to show you the 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 ridiculousness of this man. Like he does not stop working. He doesn't settle. He keeps getting better and better. And then two clutch free throws in overtime when free throws used to be like just last playoffs. They were they were like clapping. They were they were distracting him in the playoff in the in the playoffs because he couldn't make his free throws. And now he's raised his free throws to a respectable level. He is not really it's not so much of a liability anymore. He he could step up in pressure moments and make those free throws. Like man, I just this guy he's so inspirational. The way the way his story is so crazy from being like a like a mop boy mopping the sweat off the the court when he was in Greece. And and being being drafted in the first round by the Bucks, looking up into the into the the banners and saying, "Man, maybe in ten, fifteen, twenty years, my name could be there, up there with all the greats." And now he's the all time leading scorer for the for the Bucks. He's duking it out with KD. He's he's he has five straight wins against KD. He's about to win his third MVP. In my opinion, he should win it. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. The Nets and the Bucks. Super entertaining game. I hope the Nets make it through the play-in and they they get to play again. Now I don't think the Bucks will, will duck away from anybody. I don't think Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, any of them are built like that. I think they're like a lot of pundits are saying the t- the teams at the top should try to lose, try to get that third spot to you know prevent any possibility of playing the Nets in in the first round of the playoffs. Dude, I don't think the Bucks care, man. They're built. They're built. They're built differently, man. They have the championship pedigree. They're the reigning champions. And they have the biggest weapon in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo, unstoppable force. There's nothing you could do to stop him. And he's only getting better. That's crazy, crazy, just crazy stuff. And for the Nets, man, the Nets are lucky because they, they're almost in the same spot as the Lakers. The Lakers, being so terrible, have kind of taken some of the the you know the news, the shockness away from the Nets. Uh, obviously, Kyrie not being there for a lot of the season kind of took some of the the attention away from them too, and the whole Harden trade and stuff gave a lot of reason for them to be this low. But even then, they should not be this low. 
I don't really have a lot of faith in the Nets. I don't have faith in in the roster other than the other than uh, Durant and uh, Kyrie and then Seth Goran Dragic, Patty Mills. They're they're old. Patty Mills had some good games, but he's been struggling. Uh, Andre Drummond, not really much of an impact. Bruce Brown, he's pretty good, but I don't I don't I don't trust Steve Nash either. He's not a coach that draws up plays. He's kind of just. Like I don't want to be rude, but he's kind of just the puppet. He's kind of just there to keep the vibes, to keep the vibes good. It doesn't really seem like he's coaching too much. But honestly, I think the Bucks repeat this year. Like I think Giannis is is hands down the best player in the league, and I think the West is gonna be you know pretty tough. It's gonna be pretty tough for any team to make it to the finals. They're gonna be kind of beat up, and I do expect the the Bucks to to take care of the East and get back to the finals. And then whoever comes out of the West. It's gonna be a very tough. It's gonna be a very tough finals. If we get a Suns versus Bucks rematch, I would not be opposed to that. The Suns have been great. They're like on 65, 66 uh, win pace right now with with a couple games left, and they've been missing some players too. But overall, like I just want to come on here and praise Giannis Antetokounmpo for that game against the Nets. Uh, I know he it was a back to back and. I think the Bucks got smoked by the Clippers the next day, but it didn't matter. Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, Lopez, I think almost everyone sat. So, it, like, that game was irrelevant. But it was just great to see Antetokounmpo get, get his praises for being the, the all-time leading scorer um, for the Bucks. And that game was to the Nets was just ridiculous. It, it lived up to all the hype. It was hyped up, like, weeks in advance. Bucks versus Nets, especially when Kyrie got, got um, cleared to play. And all that good stuff. John is making a late push for the MVP, beating uh, Embiid earlier in the week, going against uh, KD. Like, just he's cemented his MVP case. And I hope he wins his third one, man. I, I'm such a big fan of Giannis. He's probably my favorite player along with Luka. Those are my two favorite players in the NBA right now. And there's just not enough positive things I could say about Giannis he's had a great season and uh, man I hope he wins I hope the Bucks repeat and for the Nets I do hope they make the playoffs because uh, it'll be fireworks whoever gets them in the first round Kyrie and KD against uh, this this would be the hardest I know a lot of teams were calling the the Blazers of two years ago the ones that played against the Lakers and the Lakers gentlemen sweep them they were calling them the best eight seed ever or something like that the Nets will actually be the best eight seed ever if they're the eight seed. Like to have to go up against KD and Kyrie in the first round, that's tough. But go Bucks! I hope Giannis repeats. And to conclude this episode, Kaepernick works out for the NFL in the halftime of the Michigan spring game. He did he did his thing. He he threw some passes. He showed off that arm. He showed off his mobility. It was good to see him out there. Good for Kaepernick, who's trying to make a comeback to the NFL after. You know, we all know how he fell out, how he got blackballed from the league and how, you know, the league basically conspired against him to to not get another job, to not get another opportunity. And, you know, he was willing to die on, on that hill. And, you know, props to him for being being an activist, you know, put, bringing all that attention, you know, to problems that we have in this world. And, you know, it, it sucks that that happened to him, but I, I do wish that... He, he gets a job in the NFL again. My only fear is that it has been so long since he last played. And when he last played, he was uh, he wasn't like the best. He was already kind of regressing from from those years where he was just 
a monster with his legs, a monster with his arms. He had that Shanahan system going. He he was leading the 49ers to NFC Championships games, to Super Bowls. And, you know, he was kind of the driving force behind that on offense. We we had kind of, you know, been like a year or two removed away from that where he was just kind of dealing with some injuries. His game was regressing. It kind of looked like the Niners were looking to move on from him a little bit, even before uh, Kaepernick uh, did his uh, activism stuff and kneeled for for the um, Star Spangled Banner and all that stuff. Uh, it did look like, you know, we could be seeing, like, you know, the downhill of Kaepernick. So it, I think it is going to be tough for some teams to uh, to take a chance on him. Obviously, with quarterbacks, with potential, with with the way the NFL works, getting weapons, adding gadgets to your team. Obviously, we see uh, Taysom Hill having a role. Who's to say Kaepernick can't play a similar role? He, he's he's a runner. He he's he's known for putting his shoulder down. He's had big runs. He's he's struck people. He could play that role. He could. He's a better. He, I think even still today, he's a better thrower of the football than Taysom Hill. So you know, there's a lot of teams. Some of the speculation is that you know a contender that has established quarterback might just bring him to be you know a Taysom Hill kind of player, play that role as a gadget player that you don't know what's going to happen when he's on the court. I mean, on the on the football field. The Seahawks, I think that's the most realistic chance of him having a chance to to play some starter minutes. They only have Drew Log. This quarterback class that's coming out of college is very, very, you know, mid to say to say the least. At least a lot of teams have different opinions about all the quarterbacks that are coming out. So we got to see how it plays out, how the Seahawks view those players. If they would rather, you know, take a chance with Drew Log, who who may have some potential. Take a take a flyer with Kaepernick, and those two would be your bridge quarterbacks till at least the next year. Maybe the Seahawks won't mind if even Kaepernick plays bad, because then they'll have a higher draft pick next year. If if they even have a pick, I would have to check that because they've been trading a lot of their picks. The Ravens, the Ravens have been another team. Uh, the Titans were sent one of the scouts. I think um, even the Panthers might might throw a little flyer on them. But, you know, all, all these teams, honestly, I feel like it's a long shot. I'm, I'm glad that he's trying to come back to the league. I'm always, I'm always, you know, I'm always a fan of people trying to make a comeback, putting in the work and trying to come back into the league when when it's been a couple years since it played, especially Kaepernick, who kind of got blackballed. Yeah, he was, like I, like I mentioned, yeah, he was kind of on the downside of of his peak when he, when he got blackballed from the league. But he was still more than good enough to to be a starter in the league, uh, or you know, or to at least get a backup role. Like we saw, like he, the way he was playing it was like around the Baker Mayfield level. And obviously, he's struggling right now to find a job too. But Kaepernick deserved a chance in the NFL, and I just hope someone gives him a chance. But my fear is that it's been too long. It's just been too long since he actually played an NFL game. He's thirty four years old. But, you know, quarterbacks play longer nowadays. And those years off might have helped Kaepernick. Who who knows? Who's to say? I think the, the biggest chance he has of playing would be the Seahawks, who just have Drew Locke. Maybe they're not so hot on the quarterbacks this year. And they might just be happy to tank this season. They might just they'll, – they'll, it'll, it'll be good PR for them. Like, they'll, they'll be the team that gives Kaepernick the chance to come back into the league. And if he shines, if he does good, then great. And if he doesn't, if you know he plays decently and the team is just not good enough, 
Then they get a high draft pick next year with the quarterbacks that are, you know, are viewed as better than this year's draft class. And it's a win-win. But on and all, I'm just happy for Kaepernick trying to get back into the NFL. I wish him the best. Uh, I hope, you know, maybe he has another one of these uh, workouts and more team goes. And, you know, he gets he gets into one of these training camp rosters and he's able to, you know, actually have a decent chance to make the the league again. But happy for Kaepernick. And, you know, I'm always going to remember Kaepernick as with those epic duels he had with the Seattle Seahawks, like in 2012, 2013. Those playoff games, those regular season games were... Man, those were those were some of the best games I've seen. That's one of the best rivalries I've seen as far as like my lifetime. Like those Seahawks and Niners games were were so hyped up, man. I remember like the Sunday night football game, the playoff games. Those were all like just a pleasure to watch. So if he's back in the league, I don't think it's a bad thing. Obviously, there's a lot of people that like are so close minded and still would like. There's gonna be so much people, so many people that. If he does sign with the team, they're going to be like, oh, this is the reason I'm not going to watch the NFL. Like, uh, I've been a loyal fan since 1942, but now that Kaepernick is back in the NFL, I'm going to not watch no more. You know, to hell with those people. I'm I'm hopeful that Kaepernick makes it back to the NFL and, you know, I'll be on the lookout to see if anyone signs him because he did get blackballed and he deserves another chance. But that should do it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Like always, if you made it to the end, I appreciate you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And make sure you watch Alcaraz in the final tomorrow versus Casper That's going to be fireworks. It's going to be great. If he wins his first Masters 1000 and it's the Miami Open at the age of 18. Ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Can't wait for the NBA Finals. I mean, the NBA Playoffs to get here. And... The World Cup, man, the countdown has started. The draw is out. Super pumped up. Have a great rest of your day.